And we're back. It's the Graphic Content Podcast, episode ocho, the eight, oct. Adam, what's another another language for eight? Um, not uh, no, that's nine. That's yeah. no, that's yeah. German. I can't. I don't. I don't know. Oct is eight. In German. Oct is eight. You do, do you know Russian? Uh, no. Okay, well, fuck. Not it. unless I'm running from something. Yeah, then you're like boji moi. Yeah. <laughs> That was awful. I should be punched for that. <laughs> Too bad you're all the way across the table from me. Otherwise, it actually yeah. hit you this time. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we're back. This is episode eight of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim. I'm Adam. And uh, Adam, who the hell is... Do you, do you see somebody over here? I thought there was something you needed to tell me when I walked in. I was like, this is it. I do this for free, and I'm fucking getting fired right now. No, you're not getting fired. We just decided that we wanted to have an extra voice for our conversation about the movie Logan. The first superhero movie of 2017 is out. Oh, shit, it is. I yeah. didn't even realize that. Well, okay, there is the Lego Batman movie. That's what, okay. Okay, technically... That's, that's a, a superhero movie. It's a superhero movie. Okay, Will Arnett is a fucking superhero in my eyes. Um, I haven't seen it yet. It is well worth seeing. Oh, hey, John. Hey, everybody. We've got uh, one of my best friends in the entire world here, uh, writer, uh, teacher, overall rack on tour, Mr. Jonathan Wright. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good and uh, excited to be and excited to be here. Well, fantastic. You know, uh, John, you saw Logan. Did you see it opening weekend? Also? I did because I'm a great big nerd. Okay, giant. Giant nerd, and then Adam, you saw that this past week. Yes, I uh, saw it. I want to say three, four days ago. It okay. wasn't. It, I may. I wanted to make sure it was fresh in my mind for this. Fantastic. Uh, just to let you know, we're recording this episode on March twenty fifth. Can you believe we're almost into April of twenty seventeen at this point? That's madness. It is madness. So uh, look, but that just look. means all the good movies are getting closer and closer, closer. and. God, I cannot wait. There's so much to talk about, and we, we really have so little time, but we want to spend our time devoting to Logan. Now, um, a couple of, of housekeeping notes here. Uh, I think we've already said the words shit and fuck already, so I think it's safe to say that this is an NSFW podcast. Are you going to tell them that every time they listen? They should. We're on episode eight, goddammit. They should fucking know by now. <laughs> I know they should know by now, but you know what? Every episode could be somebody's first. What are you, Chris Claremont over here? Could we make the uh, the official terminology potty mouth? I've always liked potty mouth. You know, okay. Jim's used that a lot. I've used that in past episodes. Don't like you it. listen, John? I do. Have you subscribed to us on iTunes yet? Because we are available on iTunes now. That's right. iTunes certified. That would make things so much more convenient to get your podcast. Wouldn't it? And hey, if you're getting our podcast on iTunes, would you do us the favor of uh, rating it? And if you would be so super duper cool to actually review it, that would actually push us up in the lat because there's kind of a review ladder that they use in the algorithm. The more ratings and reviews a podcast has, the higher they go up the food chain, meaning that it's that much easier to find on iTunes. Yeah, as right now, it won't even complete the search. Whenever I type in graphic content, it doesn't even give me like graphic content. It's just like, hit the search button. Maybe you'll find it in there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there are other graphic content podcasts, but they might be for other weird reasons. 
We call ourselves graphic content because of graphic novels. We like comic books. And uh, we like comic book movies. Yes. Speaking of which. Yes. We're here for Logan, which we mentioned exactly once in the last 15 minutes. So let's actually, uh, let's talk about Logan. I want to put an agenda forth on the table here uh, just for a moment. And uh, that is, we're going to talk about Logan now. The movie has been out for over three weeks. If you have not seen Logan at this point, please be warned that this is going to be a spoiler-fueled podcast. I cannot recommend this movie enough. We'll get into our rating as one of the last bits in this podcast. But if you haven't seen Logan yet, I urge you, nerd, go see it right now. You will thank me. So look, we're here to talk Logan. The movie has been out for three weeks This is going to be a spoiler-fueled episode of graphic content reviewing the movie Logan. So for the love of God, please go see it. Sound fair? Sounds fair to me. Okay, five, four, three, two, review. So what we're going to do first is we're going to talk about the things that we liked about Logan in a roundtable fashion. Then in a roundtable fashion, we're going to talk about what could have been better about the film. Uh, things that we didn't like so much. Let's just call a spade a spade. It needed more cowbell. A lot more God, I hate you right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and then we're going to rate it and maybe speculate a little bit with what remaining time we have about the future of Wolverine in, in, in film and maybe the X-Men in general. Sound fair, guys? I'm for that. I'm okay. down. Okay, so since John's our guest here, I'm going to go to you first, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you, Adam, you're the one who's seen it most recently. Yeah. Um, what did you like about the movie? Um, one of my favorite aspects of the movie was uh, the origin of X-23. Um, them keeping it so close to the comic uh, to where I felt like they did a great job of translating it without making it feel stale for comic comics fans who already know her origin and what's going on. Uh, I felt like Patrick Stewart was the MVP of the movie. Holy Absolutely. God, he was great. Uh, yeah, he was phenomenal. I, I loved every minute he was in, and uh, I did not see his death coming at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I was very shocked, um, especially when I saw him getting stabbed through the heart. I had to sit, I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, is this euthanasia? What is happening? Yeah, I mean, I I was completely taken aback by that. You know, you, we he has been with that character as long as Hugh Jackman has been has been pl- portraying Logan. Yeah, and when I think Professor X, I think of James McAvoy in a kind of alternate timeline sense. And well, that's exactly what it is. Mm. Essentially, you're 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 completely on point. But you know, I mean, obviously, James McAvoy is is is. Um, uh, stepping into uh, the role that that Sir Patrick Stewart is left is leaving behind with yeah, this I mean, he film. literally made uh, a younger version of Patrick Stewart as his as his character. That's, Essentially, that was, that was a starting point for the uh, for his Professor X. So everything he's doing is building on what Stewart did before. Exactly, exactly, and I and I just you know how many actors can we say actually get the opportunity to tell a beginning middle and end of a story especially in in film 
especially in genre blockbuster film. Yeah, that's yeah, a rare. People don't die in those movies. Right. I mean, that's the whole point. They have to stay around to make more movies. And this was uh, absolutely the the end of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, the end of Patrick Stewart's Professor X. And, you know, they set out to tell the end of their story, and they did an, an amazing job. They did. So what? So so Adam. Um, so so far, the high, highlights I've heard from you are is the adaptation of X twenty three's origin story. Yes. How long has she been a character in Marvel Comics? Uh, I want to say she was co created by. Uh, she was co created by. No, in comics, I thought she was co created by Joe Casada and I think she and was. Josh Middleton. But actually, she was on X Men Evolution before she ever made it to comics. No kidding. Yeah, and I think Craig. Kyle or Chris Yost? I know they're a co-writing team, but one of those two guys... I think they both worked on that show, didn't they? Um, I'm not sure. If not, it was Chris Yost, because I think he's the one with the animation background. Yeah, because it was he who who actually brought in the idea of the character and brought her into X-Men Evolution. Got it. I'm going to have to watch that cartoon. You know, I kind of liked it as like an alt take on on the X-Men. I never got a chance to see it... uh consistently yeah. but it the stuff that i saw it looked like a very positive very modern take on uh the idea of a mutant school right it was i, I like the design of the characters i might not have liked all the story um and i only and i gotta confess i've only seen the first season of it or at least the majority of the first season of it but i really dug the design uh, and the look and the feel and the production design elements of X Men Evolution, but we're here really to talk about Logan. So let's yeah, we're um, gonna do, we're gonna we're gonna try to stay on target with this one. So uh, well, well, j- this last thing, but it was hard for me to get into X Men Evolution coming off the nineteen ninety two or ninety three X yeah ninety two oh, yeah. yeah. X Men cartoon yeah because I go straight is a I was an early teen when evolution came out. So it was hard for me to take that, especially after seeing something that was essentially a nineties comic brought to life. Yeah. yeah. John, you and I were in our thirties then <laughs> we, <laughs> I, quite that bad. I but... often discover how young Adam is every single episode. Mm-hmm. He will, he will date me even further. Um, but no, I can remember us coming back from college and watching the, uh, the Fox X-Men oh. series and it was I, like crack for us with the X-Men <laughs> Blue and Gold comics it coming out amazing. at the time. And I, uh, I mean, I was always one that I always poo-pooed the animation because the animation of the, of the Fox series was... Was terrible. Yeah, it was not good. What does it matter with you two? This well, is sacrilege. I, I'm sorry. You, okay, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just going to say I grew, I grew up with anime. So I mean, an- okay. animation quality is something that's important to me. And it was, cr- and it was, it was, it was pr- production assembly line animation. I yeah, mean, it was real. It was real cookie cutter. Plus, we also had running concurrently was this little show called Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now, what I loved about the X Men cartoon series, though was the actual voice work. I thought the voice talent yeah. on it was... Um, they had a me. Yet Steve Bloom as Wolverine. <laughs> well, I can't do that guy's voice right now. That yeah. was really, in my opinion, while Wolverine was a popular character, that cartoon is what launched him into superstardom. Yep. And this movie wouldn't have happened, I believe, without the influence of that cartoon. 
I, I, I totally agree with you. I think an entire generation was introduced to the X-Men, not through the comics, but through that Fox animated series. Yeah, and nobody can, uh, nobody can say anything against the, uh, the quality of the writing because right. they, were, they were mining deeply into the oh. X mythology. They were pulling whole storylines intact into the comics and uh, into the co- cartoon. And that was the one complaint that we always had about, right. uh, about adaptations, which is, why don't you just tell the story? How about, do you remember Pride of the X-Men, John? Oh, my God. I mean, you want to talk about a middle finger thrust into the face of comic book fans. Watch it. It's up on YouTube. It's yeah. Pride, P-R-Y-D-E, as in Kitty Pride. I can't tell you how many times I watched that cartoon God, as a kid. I lost fucking count. abysmal. That, that was, was my introduction to the X-Men as a whole in the franchise. I think the number one movie at the time Pride of the X-Men was created was uh, Crocodile Dundee. So yes. they absolutely, positively had to have Wolverine be Australian. You know, with, we should, the, with the cheesiest Australian accent they shouldn't could find. he have been called the wombat or something like that? Well, I, I mean, I believe doesn't that follow somewhat in continuity when they brought in the X Men for Spider Man and his Amazing Friends? Because also in that, Wolverine had the Australian accent. That's a really good point. Yeah, I that's think a it really would, good and, point. And yeah, the, that series was running at the time, and so they were trying to spin off another uh, another X series out of it. But, yeah, that was not the way to do it. God, they were so close on that one, too. Colossus was Colossus, Fastball Special. I'm talking about Spider-Man and the Amazing Friends yeah. episode with the X-Men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Professor X was in the giant FDR wheelchair. I mean, they had uh, Storm with her the fucking headdress with mm-hmm. the lock picks that she'd keep in it. The other I thing mean, was that was loosely based on uh, Roger Stern and John Romita's yes. uh, Spider-Man and Juggernaut story. Yes, and it was, it, I mean, it was otherwise spot on, except for the fact that Australia had taken America by storm for some odd reason. I'm sorry, what was your John. name? John. John, I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew it started with We'll me. cut that out, too. Thank you, thank you. Or you can just leave it and make me look stupid. Look you like a fucking idiot. Yeah. So. Uh, so, John, were you there at the midnight showing? Of Logan? Yes. Um, I, was, I, I saw it in the Bay Area. Okay, so that, but that I, means it's devoid of time and space. They exist beyond time. Oh, okay. But I did. They're see like it. the Q from Star Trek. Okay, but I did. What see the, the fuck f- are you talking about? I'm in fucking San Francisco. He's asking you what time did you go to see the movie? Well, I thought he was asking if I saw it here with like a particular. Group <laughs> no, of no, people, I was just asking like, saw, were you at the midnight I saw show? On, I saw it on the fir- uh, on the first day. Okay, so when you're sitting in in the theater. You've walked out. You're among the first to see this. Mm-hmm. What's your initial impression? Um, uh, well, I actually saw it with my wife and some friends, and so we were talking about it, and uh, our first uh, initial reaction was, damn, that's the end of uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And it was just like, wow. It was like the end of this... Um, it was like watching a uh, Shakespearean tragedy, you know, and like going into it, you think maybe that that's the way it's going to end, but you're not exactly sure how it's going to happen. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was like, you know, the, the, the end of an era. And, you know, we, uh, uh, we reflected a little bit about, um, the X-Men, the X-Men movies, um, didn't really talk about the Wolverine, uh, or, um, uh, you know the the previous two, uh, in um, X Men Origins, X Men Origins, Ugh. yeah, and then the the Wolverine, 
This um, is this is the sound of me hitting my head on a brick wall. Uh yeah, that was that was not good. So we didn't really talk dwell on that. Yeah, we 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 thought about the happy times. Yeah. Um and yeah, it was it, it was an amazing um moment. Well, you know, speaking of moments, John, you know, what were some of the things, the highlights that you know, stuck out to you as like wow moments, the, the, the real highlights of this film. For me, a lot of it was the quiet parts. Like the, the, the first few minutes, like, you know, about the first 20 minutes when you really don't know what's going on. Right. And you're thinking like, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Wolverine as, um, you know, Uber driver basically was yeah. just, wow, is th- this is what he's doing? And then like, trying to figure out why he was doing that. And then the drugs, and you're like, man, is he really that jacked up? Um, and then, of course, you see the professor. And um, I had seen images of Patrick Stewart in, um, you know, in that, um, that water uh, tower uh, in the trailers and stuff. But, um, but I didn't really, really know what to expect as far as his character goes. And it almost looked like he was in a planetarium or something. I, well, you know? when and I first saw it, I was thinking it was like the ruins of the uh, Cerebro room. Oh, yeah, 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 That's, yeah. Well, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. That, that, that was what I, I first thought. Um, you know, uh, so, so I knew things were bad, just looking at that situation in the trailer. But any storyline that involves a great mind suffering from dementia it's just that, that that's utterly terrifying to me you know i mean like i i can it, you know intellectually or emotionally i can say okay you know like like you know cancer or like you know some kind of debilitating disease okay fine as long as i can still think i i, I imagine i would be all right yeah. with that but it's just the thought of losing your ability to reason and create that's the most terrifying thing for me personally. So and, that was a very affecting uh, uh, thing to happen, especially to that mind. Well, and, and that's exactly what I was going to bring up is the fact that, you know, one of the, the big plot points that shape, takes shape between the first and the second act is where are all the X-Men? You know, where have all the X-Men gone? And then you realize they start alluding to this this thing that happened called the Westchester incident where over 600 people died, you know, and then you realize they start, you know, and, and again, I'm, you know, yes, this is a spoiler filled podcast, but I can't tell the story better than James Mangold and Hugh Jackman and the writers and all the actors and the crew did putting this film together. But the fact is, is that he got the worst possible death sentence with senile dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever the, the particular form of his dementia was because it turned him into, as they referenced in the, in the movie, a weapon of mass destruction. Now, if you notice, they were vague about what happened to yep. him. They were also vague about why Wolverine was deteriorating the way he was. I, Unless there was something I missed. I actually, uh, they, he said at one point that the thing that they had put into him was now... Killing him. Uh, so basically, um, the the adamantium uh, was had been slowly poisoning him over time, and at this point in his life, it's yeah, it's 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 getting beyond his ability to heal from it. 
Well, so, th- he, so that's that's why he's not as strong. Yeah, his healing he's factor is he, you know, is I mean, this taxed. is somebody who's lived since the middle 1800s. Yeah, as we saw in the Wolverine, uh, or no X Men Origins. That was oh, X Men Origins. Oh, yeah. God. But you know what? The opening credit sequence was the best part of that film. Yes, it explained a lot. It explained plenty, and you know, it showed a you know young, vibrant James Howlett, and um, you know, the fact is, is that this is a guy who lived for the better part of two hundred years, mm-hmm. you know, off of his mutant power. But the fact of the matter is, you put that much metal inside somebody's body, metal. Most metals are toxic to human, yeah, human biology. Now they found that titanium believe it or not, has no effect on on human biology. And that's why you hear people saying like they have titanium pins and rods and things like that exactly. to repair like, you know, horrible breakage. Right, but the densest, most indestructible metal on the face of this earth, adamantium, on the face of the X-Men Earth, yeah. is implanted in this guy's body. You might as well have been poisoning him with lead since 1876. I mean... Yeah. So you know, and well, there's also the uh, the subplot about um, what happened to the other mutants. Like the X Men were killed, but other mutants um, have basically been slow poisoned by the um, uh, the corporation um, whose name escapes me. I think it was wasn't it Alcal? Yeah. Because it was like alkali, it was alkali, right? Because based it, off of alkali, like that's exactly how. Yeah, that's how I had to remember it. Right. Yep. So the alcohol uh, corporation had been basically poisoning all of the foodstuffs with mutant suppressing chemicals or genetic material or whatever. With the high fructose corn syrup. In that, oh yeah, every time. I, I I love that. That's another thing that that little just a little reference to like you know the. You know the, the the health consciousness that we've developed over time. I thought that was a great touch. But if Wolverine has been eating the food and drinking the uh, the stuff, that could have been um, affecting his um, you know his healing factor as well. Could have been. Could so, have been. So, Jim, what were some of your favorite parts of the movie? Well, you know, I, I like John. I really dug the silent parts. I love the fact that Hugh Jackman um, is such. He is such a credible actor who I don't think in film is given enough credit. Obviously, he has more than earned his stripes on Broadway um, in his song and dance roles. I mean, he his role as Peter Allen in that one show, I can't remember the name of it, has earned him a Tony Award. He is a grand and he is an actor on a grand scale. Um, but I don't think that he's gotten those juicy, you know, his 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 ability to work with other actors has improved so much over the years, and we've seen his film acting grow over that, that I thought he was a revelation. One other part that I, I, I don't want to leave out, and I am sorry that I don't know the guy's name, but the guy who played Donald Pierce, I thought was one of the more credible villains in the last umpteen X-Men movies, because like in any good Western, there's the guy, there's the, the good bounty hunter, which is Wolverine, and then there's the bad bounty hunter, which in this case is Donald Pierce. He's the man in black, right? He also he also fills in for the uh, the young gunslinger, yes, taking on the old gunslinger. Eggs, and and the, yes. the, the Western uh, motifs that are in that movie are amazing, incredibly respectful. This you know for for a guy who really likes um, uh, westerns, I really I really respected that. Yeah, and I I'm right there with you. I think Unforgiven is one of my favorite movies, and if you're to draw a line between two films, 
Um, I think Unforgiven is one of the closest westerns that you can look at to connect to this film as yeah. as far as direct inspiration goes. Also, you know, let's go back to older school films like The Shootist. Yeah. You know, the last days of the John Wayne gunfighter movies, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I well, f- and their use of Shane as a oh. uh, as a touchstone was just heartbreaking. Is that the movie that X twenty three and Patrick Stewart were yes. watching? Yeah, because that that one it was that whole scene. Sorry, go ahead. That was one of the things in the movie that I knew was probably really brilliant, but also lost on me. <laughs> and I was kind of sad that I didn't get that because I was like, if you're directing a movie like this, you you don't do stuff like that for no reason. There's right, a right. you know, there's a storytelling reason that stuff's in there. And there is. And and look, if you anybody who's listening to this podcast, and Adam, you're speaking on this podcast, I'm telling you, take an hour and a half out of your life, watch Shane. Yes. It will break your fucking heart. I mean, that movie is about gunfighter and a dog. God damn it. I yeah. mean, I'm getting here almost tearing up because I love that movie so much. And you want to talk good villains. Oh. Jack Palance in Shane. Dude. I mean, he, he, he made his bones in that movie and rode that character for the rest of his career. And it was, I mean, it was a career-making uh, move for him. It was. And it just, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a remarkable film on so many levels. And it really ties into this idea that you know, westerns used to be the great American cinema right. language. You know, so I mean, if you if you want to understand movies, you got to watch some you got to watch some classic uh, westerns. Rio Bravo, so, so, Rio Bravo, the Searchers, Rio, the Searchers. So does that? Do you feel like that scene was kind of a passing of the torch between what westerns and superhero movies? Oh, oh, that that's is, a great yeah. call on your part because you know superheroes. Well, I mean, I think it's Grant Morrison who I think all of us here at this table adore Grant Morrison. We worship at the altar of Grant Morrison. And he called superheroes the great American mythology Yeah, on more than one occasion. And Westerns up until that point was the great American history. Yeah. And it's almost as if, you know, and, and there will always be a place for Westerns. We won't see as many produced as we do superhero movies now, but there will come a day when there will be another genre which will capture the fancy of the generation of movie going of the movie going audiences, and there will be a handing off of the torch between um, you know superhero viewers and whatever that next genre is going to be. Yeah, and but you're, that's an absolute great call on your part, Adam. You're you're like a goddamn film critic over there. <laughs> um, hey, um, since uh, since Morrison was mentioned, I just have to say that if anybody has the opportunity to read Super Gods, oh, I have as a matter of fact. Yes, Grant Morrison's Super Gods is an amazing uh, analysis of the place of the superhero. In uh, modern culture, modern mythology, um, and like the psychological s- substructure of humanity. And it'll also, once you read that and then you go watch this movie, you'll be looking at it through a different lens, yeah. in my opinion, uh, because it totally it informed the way I think about superheroes in that book also. Uh, it, it added a lot of depth for the concept of superheroes and what they mean to uh, to people. It, yeah, it it legitimized superheroes um, in in a very intelligent and um, 
and kind of... Well, you know, I think superheroes have been legitimate for a long time, but I think the examination and actually the... Um, the, the wholesale examination of superheroes that, that Morrison did in that book is one that, for us comic book and superhero fans, is like, wow, you know, superheroes are important. Mm-hmm. And actually, call, you know, we can make the argument, going back to Superman in 1939, who, let's be honest, Clark Kent was no guy who was fighting Brainiac in 1939. He was tossing slumlords off of the 13th story of a, of a slum house. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what dude did. Superman, Superman started off as the, you know, defender of the little guy. He was... Yep. Basically, a communist superhero, socialist at the very least. He was Bernie yeah. before Bernie. I <laughs> yeah, think, you I know, could definitely see that. You know, and and we could go down that track. Maybe John, you'd like to come back on a podcast where we just talk about superheroes in general. Sure. You know, I don't. You know, this is one of those divergences our, our podcast is well known for. <laughs> but um, can can. Are we to the point to where we can talk about our grievances with the film Well, yet? And, and that's actually what I was just going to go, because I think that no matter how good a film is, you know, even films like Citizen Kane, you can say that there's a couple of points, whether they're nitpicky or whether you feel that they're a gap the size you do, that you can drive a back truck through, that that need to be pointed out. And I think it's safe to say that, from my point of view, I think Adam, I've, I know you pretty well, John. I don't know what your thought is on this since you haven't had a chance to speak to me about this. But Logan was not a perfect movie. It was a great movie, but mm-hmm. it did wear its, it did wear, uh, its imperfections on its sleeve. Adam, what, what are some of the call-outs that uh, you have but, on, on some, of the, the, some of the challenges or, or obstacles like that, that this movie had? I don't know whether to blame the screenwriters on this or... Who exactly had this? But I feel like the beginning of the movie, uh, they cursed to curse. They, I felt like they were trying to shock me into the movie, and I. Uh, fuck. And yeah, it was. You know, there was like that off fuck at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and it's like, like, look, just because we can, and I was like, now he cuts it out within that first. They cut it out within that first twenty minutes, and it starts to fit. They start to use it in more natural settings. Uh But I felt like that first like ten minutes or so, especially during that fight scene, I was like, well, this is there's there's no reason for this. Like I'm. We all curse here, but I feel like there's definitely in in art there needs to be everything in moderation. Well, for a podcast that prides itself on its NSFW uh, status, I, I just want to point out just how ironic it is that you're pu- <laughs> you're calling out the F word for uh, your first uh, drawback. <laughs> but look, you know, well, you know, I, it, I can see I can see your point about uh, the language. I think the reason why. Um, you know, and and it makes me ask myself, why did they why did they go for an R? And I think the reason for that is because they wanted to show the Wolverine doing Wolverine shit that we've already always seen in the comics or seen implied implied in comics. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just but we've never really seen Wolverine's berserker rage and the scene in the um, the scene in the uh, uh, hotel room. Oh was, my gosh. That was Wolverine Dude. in 100% Wolverine mode. I mean, like, 
everyone every every one of those was a kill, and every kill was a headshot. Yep. And every headshot had the claws coming through the back of the guy's head. Yeah. Or or through the top of the guy's head. Or through head. the top of the guy's head. Yeah. They, or they, through the that side was of the guy's so head. amazing. <laughs> they mixed it up. But yeah, I mean, once they made that decision, I think then, like you say, the uh, the writers felt. Uh, free to, you know, pepper the dialogue with, uh, you know, with more expletives. And you know what? My my complaint isn't the expletives. It's their, it's the the way they they chose to use them in that first little sure. that first little bit of the film. I think you're right. I think they they were trying to just say, hey, look, this is an R-rated movie. Yeah, and uh, that was that's outside of that. I felt like they did a good job of just kind of having it to be more natural. In the situation, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, another point that that I didn't really like about the uh, I didn't like the logic. Uh, what am I trying to say here? There was a flaw in logic. I feel like when they decided that X twenty three could speak, because then whenever she could speak, it knew they acknowledged that she had some type of social consciousness, which totally. Uh, it totally made her look like an asshole when she attacked the the grocery or the clerk at the gas station. Yeah, right. Because but, I was like, if you can speak, then you know better than to do all that shit. You're not as feral well, as you're giving off. I mean, maybe I'll I'll just debate it with you just to have some fun, you know? Because I mean, everybody's entitled to their own opinions. I mean, um, you know, she was she had the social upbringing of being a lab rat and being cooped up in a building with lab rats her entire life. So, you know, the societal norms of going to a store to, you know, pick out a pair of sunglasses and eat Twinkies or whatever the fuck she was eating. I mean, that's... But to escalate to the point to where you're uh, literally about to murder this guy for for saying no. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not... I'm just saying that, you know... there's some room for growth. I mean, room for interpretation there. Yeah, I, 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 I think if um, if you were to lay out the story in um, Logan chronologically, and you know, start it from like X twenty three's childhood up to the point where she escaped, and and then you know, the nurse met Logan. Um, it seems to me like she, that she went literally from the lab and combat training to being driven to a motel and, um, you know, th- then Logan, you know, asking Logan for help. Um, and so I, she I, only spoke, now that I think, yeah. she only spoke Spanish, so for all she knows that he could have been telling her, I'm going to murder you or whatever. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I think it was, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was, um, you, can, you, you know what, I, I, think it's a, I think it's fair for you to call it out you know, to go from zero to 60 so quick, you know, for all we knew that they, maybe they cut out a scene where they put a berserker chip in her head or something like that, where she ramps up or so quickly, who the fuck knows? Maybe they cut something out, left something on the floor. There was a a very quick escalation to that. I'll definitely agree with you on that. Adam, did you have any other points? You you know what? I, uh, I really enjoyed the movie a lot. So I, I feel like even my, even the things I didn't like about it are nitpicky because I really enjoyed the movie that much. Yeah. 
John, what about some of the points for you? Did, I mean, did anything just kind of land flat with you or actually go into to the land of sour apple candy? N- no, nothing really, um, nothing really seemed uh, particularly bad. The, um, uh, the farm family seemed uh, a bit trite. Um, I never really, um, you know, kind of like got behind them. I can see the purpose of it, you know, I mean, kind of like giving X, you know, X23 a chance to see what a real family is like. Um, I don't know, that, that, that group just never really did a whole lot for me. I thought it was really beautiful where they had, that's where Charles died, that he died in that one place that he wanted, he wanted Wolverine to experience this, this night of, of normalcy. Right. And mm-hmm. for him to die in that, I really felt, was a beautiful thing. Uh, and another thing is that I, I respect about that piece, which was the culmination of the second act of the film, was the fact that, fuck them, they went for broke in that film. I mean, oh, yeah. those, I mean, <laughs> seriously... Clone Wolvie, the anti-Wolverine, whatever you want to call Wolverine. We're going to murder a family. We're going to yeah. black out the entire family. And well, I think what, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from of, you know, oh, it's, you know, fucking Smallville. And, you know, it's Mom, Pa, Kettle and their kid who's really smart, but he listens to rap or whatever the fuck, you know. And I totally, I totally see where you're coming from, but I, I think from the lens of Xavier X23 and Logan to have that window to that Norman Rockwell life, I thought was really important. And then also for Mangold to, to fucking press the button on dropping Wolverine in his prime on these people without any compunction, without any care for these people, without any Charles Xavier mentoring him and, and, and soothing him. And 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 counseling him past his berserker tendencies, and every last one of them died. I mean, that's a. I mean, to me, that's a brave choice to say we're going to murder a nuclear family in the middle of fucking Oklahoma or whatever, and and to do it without remorse, which added to the tension of the film. And then to see Charles Xavier be the last one to take it through the heart on that one, um, that that to me, I mean, it just it, to me it was almost poignant that to the point of no, you can't have a normal life. You're denied a normal life because there are these outside forces which have decided that mutants are a threat to these normal people, you know. And too bad for these normal people, but if you never had had run and just given us the bald guy in the wheelchair, we would have left y'all alone to begin with. But no, you had to take it a step further, so we needed to drop a nuke on you. It, it just, it that's just me. I, I really love that scene, and I'm sorry I didn't bring it up earlier. Please forgive me. <laughs> no problem. And I can see your point. Um, I, I guess it, it just, it seemed to me that they were there more as a story device. Mm. Um, so may, maybe, maybe it was just that I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't in the mood for Norman Rockwell, maybe. You know, and, and I think that's a fair point because they were very much a story device. I think mm-hmm. I think we can all agree on that. And you know And when you recognize something like that, I can understand where you're coming from. It takes you out of the movie. Yeah, it did. It kind of took me out of the movie. Yeah. Whenever you go, Oh, well, that's a story device, then you've you've broken that contact with that fictional world you want to become lost in. 
Do you know what I didn't like about the movie? And this is this is my one gripe. I, everything else that I have are nitpicky things and you know whatnot, maybe shot angles and stuff like that. It didn't have Shia LaBeouf. Didn't have Shia. Oh man, he would have been a great Wolverine protege, bro. Um, <laughs> what wasn't he? Uh, wasn't he like a cannibal in the desert? I mean, didn't they have him in the background? I think they or cut something? him out. Ah man, I, yeah. I think they cut him out. Um, you know the 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 gripe that I had actually were the new mutants. We didn't see how mutanty they were. That chick that had cold breath, I thought was really fucking that was, cool. That was fucking cool, but we only got one bit of. Well, you but, know, I mean, but I mean, you you saw the um, uh, the I, I I think the girl with the um, plant control powers was that was pretty terrifying. Yeah, yeah that, that was okay, pretty cool. That was terrifying, but I didn't get. I wanted more from that because there was a whole. I want to say there was at least what a dozen of them, and I and I just, you know, we had an opportunity to see what the future was going to be just a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, with these characters, I would have enjoyed seeing, and, and just forgive me for this one little mini rant. I promise it's not going to go long, <laughs> but I think that there was enough threat beyond just the cloned Wolverine and his prime that there were the ravagers. I mean, they're these cyborg veterans of foreign wars. I mean, these guys were all hunter killers. Yeah. Um, I think they missed an opportunity to show what the next generation had. I mean, they put Richter out there for crying out loud. How cool would it have been to see an earthquake in in North Dakota or wherever the hell they now, were? Now, was Richter part of the original Claremont, uh, Bob McLeod, all that no. new mutant no, stuff? He, he was Bob, in X Force. He was he was a later new mutant. Yeah. No, no, he was was he. I know he was in Peter David's X Factor. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Is that I think he was. I thought he was in X Force, though. He was in X Force. Yes, but what I'm saying was is that he was found by X Factor. Oh, okay. Back when they were quote unquote mutant hunters, but they were the original five X Men, and I think they saved him like what they did with uh, Boom Boom and And Rusty Collins, right? So you know, and and you know. I, I, you know, I just, I thought they had a missed opportunity there. Now, there is going to be a New Mutants film they're working on. I felt like this could have been seeds for that. Yeah. And that's where they they could really show who these characters are and why they're important. Right. But right now, the Hollywood scuttlebutt is they're looking at the original New Mutants, Cannonball, Sunspot, Rain Sinclair. Dude... I'm telling you, the fucking Demon Bear saga oh my by God, Bill Sienkiewicz yes. was the absolute shit on shit. It, I, I, I can understand com- that you guys coming from that generation had the connection to those characters, but I never had that connection to that team of characters. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I would see that stuff come up, I'd just be like Cannonball and all that. I'd be like, get out of here. Give me somebody, somebody I care about. Well, I, I got to be honest, you know, I mean, those those were mine, you know, to, I remember the slumber party. Remember that just before the Demon Bear saga uh-huh. hit, you know, and there was like Warlock and Magma, Magma from Nova <laughs> Roma. Uh, who else was in there? Magic, Peter Rasputin's uh, little sister. Yeah. Who was a demon sorceress from Limbo. Um you know, there was, you know, and and so, of course, I'm, like, super excited for that film because, obviously, I think guys from my generation, John's, are actually working on it. Um, 
but you know, just to just to kind of put a cap on 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 my gripe for the film, I think it could have been. I think we could have had a more robust final battle if we had a chance to see the New Mutants do more than just run. Part of it is that I can I can understand where you're coming from, Jim, but that fight already had so many moving parts that I can understand why they wanted to give it focus to, to Wolverine and have this be... I mean, they gave them their moment when they all used their powers at yeah. once to kill Donald Pierce. But, I mean, I can understand the focus being Wolverine. This is his final battle. Sure. This is the end of him as a yeah. character. And, and let's be honest. They were doing this movie on a budget. You know, this, this wasn't being done on an X-Men budget. I want to say it was done for, like, before promotion, like $68, $69 million, which is... That's mind-boggling that yeah. that's a small budget. Yeah, it is. That's I mean, that's like low-budget Hollywood mo- mm. movies now, you know? So, I mean, look, I totally get it, you know? And, and if you have to take one to, to get something else, I'm I'm for it. Again, it's, it's, it's a minor gripe. That's the, really the only one I got because I think this movie from, from the actors that made up the ensemble cast of this film, except for the douche who played the scientist... I mean, that guy could have been played by anybody. Yeah, I he thought. was kind of like you the know, forgettable human with a briefcase. I yeah. mean, that that should have been his character's name. I mean, well, it's kind of central casting evil scientist. And they they he seemed like a very important character, and I felt like that was part of the problem. Was they were like, oh, look at this this head. Are you guys talking about the the scientist who was the son of? Of the guy that Wolverine yeah, killed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was such a... They, they touted him as this important character and then did so little with him. I was like, why even bring him up? Why not call him Dr. Stewart or yeah. Dr. Smith or At least they didn't know? call him Dr. Sinister because I think I probably... That probably would have soured the whole movie for me. <laughs> well, and why even, uh, why even go there? I mean, obviously they had thought that they were going to drop, you know, drop Mr. Sinister as the big bad in the third movie because they teased that at the end of the second movie. Right. Um, I didn't see and, wo- the Wolverine. Do they bring him into that? Yeah, at, at the... At, well, no, I'm sorry. That was in uh, um, Days of Future. Or in... Uh, uh, was in, apoc- in Apocalypse? No, you're right. It was in Apocalypse because the it, Essex Corporation. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that one either. Yeah. So at the uh, yeah the the um, after credit scene in Apocalypse was the Essex Cor- guys from the Essex Corporation get Wolverine's blood, and that's where they got the supplies to make X twenty three. Okay. Go. But yeah, the Essex Corporation was uh, operated by Mister Sinister as kind of the same thing as like a, a you know biogenetic lab to you know craft mutants for the future yep you know so i i just thought the scientist was almost worthless that they shouldn't have had any drawn any connection with the previous character with him and just made him an evil alkali operative you know especially to put him on such a pedestal and to give him such a two-dimensional two-dimensional uh character and and again that might have been cost it might have been editing you know we we, i'd say that's in writing i i and and I was just going to say that's where my instincts are. Is that's probably on the script that they decide to scrimp on this guy. So I'm going to call him Doctor Scrimpy from <laughs> now on. And um, he's a madman with a low budget. Doctor Scrimpy, <laughs> Doctor Scrimpy. You know, Adam plays guitar. Oh wow! I nice. play bass. Right, he on. plays bass. So you know, he can drop some funky beats for us. But 
That's not what we're here for. <laughs> so, so guys, I think it's safe to say, I mean, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but there was a lot more good to this movie than there was anything bad in it. You know, we didn't even mention the uh, casino scene. Holy shit, that was like uh, scary as fuck. Yeah, seeing, you know, <sighs> Professor X in full-on seizure mode and shutting down the brains of like probably close to a thousand people. Yeah, on easily. that initial car wreck. Cuz oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. when you know shit was going south because yep. I was I was like I was like, "Oh wow, this is bad." And then when cuz you see some of the bad guys impacted by it. Yeah. Which when you see the bad guys impacted, you're like, "Well, good, they deserve it." But then to see that car wreck happen and mm-hmm. then you know it this is on everyone and everyone is fucked unless he gets there. Yeah. So amazing. I mean, God, that was another highlight. So I think it's safe to say, again, we like this movie more than we didn't like this movie oh, by far. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, it's almost a three or four to one average. So um, I, how about we rate it? And then we can talk a little bit more about it. Um, I'll go first. Since Are we this, going, is this out of six for Wolverine's Claws? No, I'm going to do it out of five because you can't count the one that he pull, can't pull out <laughs> oh, of his okay. hand there. Okay. Just, ah, fucker, won't come out. Okay, so I would say, but we are going to call them claws instead of stars. Oh, okay. Okay. So I am going to give one. Here we go. I am going to give it four and a half claws. I'm going to give it four and a half claws. You know, again, the New Mutants thing, I I loved the ending fight scene. I loved how he came back. I loved how he ignored the advice against don't take it all at one time, you know, the healing drug and whatnot. Um, I, I guess that there was just enough little things between the ultimate villain of the film as well as um, you know, I would have loved to have seen just a little bit, a hair more development for the New Mutants. I think I'm going to give this 4.5 out of 5 claws. John, what are you, you giving it? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same. Uh, 4.5 out of 5 claws. It was, uh, it, it was uh, poignant and epic at the same time. Uh, it was uh, an amazing swan song for an amazing character and a great actor. So, I, yeah, I, and, and multiple... Uh, great performances. Um, you know who we didn't mention hmm. was Caliban. Yes, yeah. he I'm had sorry, one of my favorite moments in the film where he blows himself up and blows up everybody in that. How cool was that Stephen Merchant? Yeah, I mean Ricky Gervais's writing partner on The Office. <laughs> I mean, is that is who one, that was? Yeah, he's one of the funniest dudes on the planet, and that dude played the shit out of Caliban. Yeah. And, Man, you know, we got to start writing down our notes or doing something <laughs> yeah. so we could be like a quasi-professional podcast in the future. But, but yeah, I mean, there was just so much to adore about this movie. So four and a half out of, out of me. John, you gave it a 4.5. Adam, we're going to pitch it to you. I'm going to be the rebel of the bunch. and okay. give it, I'll give, But I'm still going to give it four claws out of five. Hey, there you go. And, and so I think, you know, if we tally up the scores, that is a nine plus four. That's a thirteen. Live math, ladies four, and gentlemen. That'd be twelve point. I don't know. Hey, that's about a four. I mean, it's it's about like a four point two, let's say. And uh, if you want to correct, yeah, it'd be four point two five. There you go. And if you want to correct Jim, you, you first have to subscribe and then put it in the commentary. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Graphic Podcast, 
and we're on the Twitter, John. Wow. You know, like all the kids nowadays. All kinds of high tech. You know, but uh, hit us up on, at Graphic Podcast. Just call me a math R word or whatever you want to say. I'm, I'm not going to. That's like one of the words I won't say on a microphone. Good boy. I'll wait till. Oh, it's on, on a microphone? You pulling fucking Donald Trump over here? Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, my words are huge. Anyway, um, you know, one of the things I want to say before we... Okay, so we all love this movie. I yes. Mean, yeah. It's four, four claws and above. Us, John, five, four and a half. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is, though, is that we are now living in a universe where we will not see Professor X sit in the wheelchair again. We will not see Hugh Jackman... Pop. I just I just physically got sad when you said right? that about yeah. Professor X. Yeah, I mean, and look, this is no diss to James McAvoy, who's a tremendous young actor, and and I and I look forward to the future of him. However, they decide how X Men is going to progress beyond this point, but I think it's worthy of some degree of conversation here. I mean, Hugh Jackman is out. I mean, yeah. maybe a, a, a yuck fest cameo in Deadpool two, maybe. Um, that's the best that I can see him coming back for. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gone on record saying that he'll play uh, Wolverine again if he can be in the Avengers movies. So uh, I yeah. think we can pretty much safely say that's, that's not, not going to happen. happen. <laughs> so, but let's you know maybe maybe we'll go around the table, John. You know I want to go to you first. Let's do a little fan speculation here. I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw the trailer for Logan and I heard about what the timeline yeah. was, honestly, my first reaction was, fuck. Can a, <laughs> can a brother get a stable timeline for fuck's sake? Uh, I'm sorry, but I I might be on the uh, you know on the uh, uh, the outside here, but I liked Apocalypse. I liked Days of Future Fast. I liked First Class. I liked the way that it Fixed all the problems that Brian Singer left us with when he left uh, when he left to do uh, to do Superman. Don't forget what Brett Radner did to us with X Three. I'm sorry, but I put I, I put it on Singer. If Singer had stayed, it wouldn't have happened. Dude. We would have gotten. To we be would've... fair, Superman Returns sucked balls. Yeah, yeah, and or, and he should have stayed on X Men. He, he, he really should. If he had stayed, we would have gotten the dark the the goddamn Dark Phoenix saga yeah. that we were owed. And I say ode, all right, because because entitled much? (laughs) It was teased. Erga, fanboy entitlement alert. Erga two, and then like completely pissed away in three. And (laughs) I'm sorry, it it led it led to a great uh, subplot in um, in the second Logan movie. I really liked the way that Gene's death affected Logan and how he had to process that. So that was great. But I mean the 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 wreckage that was left behind in in X three it literally took three movies to fix. God, that is the truth. I mean, fuck you, Brett Ratner. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and look, Brian Singer. I think he made up for it. As okay, look, he's still paying penance. All right. If, oh, if your- chosen, if chosen looks as good, it, it turns out to be as good as it looks. Then. I might be willing to forgive it. Fair enough, but I, I, I'll be honest. I really, really enjoyed Days of Future Past, and I know you said you liked Apocalypse. I loathed Apocalypse. <laughs> I loathed that movie so hard. I, I can't even get into it. Um, I didn't think I would like First Class, so I just never saw it. And same thing with Apocalypse. I just wasn't interested. Oh, my God. First Class was fucking great. It was. It was like... 
you know what it was? It was like X Men is like a fucking gangster movie almost. I, I mean, actually it, thought the more is like a spy movie, like, like or like, like a, a 60s, 60s spy, spy movie. movie. That's even. I was thinking like something like The Craze or something like that. But no, you're totally on point. It was definitely like a 60s spy romp. Mm. And uh, dude, you need to see it. I mean, just okay. I mean, it's we worthy. Get Banshee in this film, <sighs> but you also have like Angel. They waste a lot of really good characters that they could have used in the next set of movies. But a co- uh, but I'm going to quote a po- another podcast, which is a very popular podcast, so they don't need any more promotion. But what they say about the Fox X Men movies, their motto at Fox is continuity, schmontinuity. So you know they have they have they have. Focused on making movies that work as movies before they make movies that work based on the history. But they of don't the reuse characters. characters and they don't reinterpret no, them unless they are the core group. I I totally agree with you. I mean, dude, if if I was in charge of Fox Studios, I would greenlight a picture that had Scott, Gene, um, um, Hank, Bobby, and Warren tomorrow. That would be your first five X Men. You know. Figure it out. You know, I yeah. want to see blue and yellow costumes. Let's have a ball, you know. And, or and even, yeah, I, I like the group that um, that they formed at the end of Apocalypse. You know, that's uh, true. It's a, it's a totally functional group the young, that they could build on. The young X-Men consisting of, like, Cyclops and uh, the new Jean Grey, who's mm-hmm. played... Sophie Turner. Well, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. Thank you. And um, Kurt Wagner was... I mean, that kid looked almost like he could be uh, Alan Cummings' son. Yeah. Um, you know, Quicksilver in that group. Did you ever see them in that in that alt costume shot? Like, I guess they did a costume test of what their costumes would look like. Did you mm. ever see that? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's it's on the internet somewhere. It was like Cyclops in his nineties, you know, headgear, shield uniform inspired. What the co- fuck? Yeah, like Jim out- Lee designed outfits. Yeah, and shit. Yeah, they were out there, and they they were all kind of jackety looking and stuff. It was actually kind of cool. I thought. Um, anyway. I think that would be a great foundation to build on. Yeah. You know, and they've said that, you know, at least the if the Hollywood rumor mill, you know, they were originally codenaming the project Supernova, but they've said the next X-Men movie subtitle is Dark Phoenix. All right. So let's see if Brian Singer actually directs it. Because <laughs> they, they, they teased that as well in, in Apocalypse. Yeah, they sure did. I mean, they were the absolute best parts of that. So I, I guess... What I'm what I'm looking for from Fox is I've kind of given up on them even paying homage to the continuity that came before. I mean, I get that with my MCU films. I mean, my MCU films gives me at least a semblance of of continuity that makes sense inside the MCU, like it's an alternate Earth, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I can get that. Whereas in the Fox X Men universe, it's like fuck it, we got these characters, we're going to do what the fuck we want. And that's how I see it. And sometimes the alchemy works. Sometimes you get days of future past where you get Blink throwing Thunderbird through a through a hole to beat up a Sentinel with a couple of knives. And yeah. you know, you get Iceman at his Omega level, you know, super badass glory and whatnot. So I, I think that there's hope in the Fox X-Men universe. I just don't know what it's gonna look like. Adam, do you have any thoughts about about what you would like to see? I mean, maybe I mean, it's, we've heard lots of rumors about who could play Wolverine after this. Honestly, I think they need to give Wolverine a rest. Uh-huh. Um, I feel, yeah. Personally, I like the uh, 
mid two thousands young X Men. Uh, oh, it, that was a cool it, comic. It was yeah. it was new X Men with Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, and and they did a young one- X Men with Craig Kyle and Chris. No, it was new X Men. Oh, it was new X Men. It was it young X Men was a title though. That was and that was garbage. Um, they just <laughs> yeah. They uh, I don't that mince was, words. Tell I, us how I you thought really that was feel. Kind of fun. I'm just, I'm it was. Sorry I don't like, like. I don't like Mark Guggenheim, and he wrote that. So yeah, I know. I kind of liked it. Yeah, it was, I, I didn't like it. Okay. Um, it's kind of cool. It had but, Jim, get back in your box. Okay, bye. Uh, yeah. So I would like to see Pixie and Rock Slide. Sure. And uh, you know, Dust and and all. I'd like to see those characters. Dust was, I think, my favorite new X Men in the last. Yeah. T- 15 years. I yeah. Think. I would love to see those characters represented on screen. And then what about beak? Eh, I like beak, but I feel like he, uh, well, he, he lost kinda, his powers on M day and became a new warrior. Yeah. Anyway. I was going to say like, I, I really feel like there's not much story to tell with him on screen. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd like to see those characters. And then maybe in three to four years, uh, between well, I don't know. Away from those movies, uh, make Wolverine a big thing again. Yeah, uh, find somebody, give him hype, make him important, make it some, make it a big thing that somebody else. The is, return of the Wolverine. Yeah, that Almost, somebody else you know? is stepping in and and give some distance, uh, much like uh, much like they did with. I hate to say this, <sighs> kind of like they did with George Clooney and Christian Bale. Let us accept, except they ended this on a good note, unlike yeah. Yeah. George Clooney. Yeah. Uh, George Clooney knew that he buried the franchise. So yeah, give us give us some time to separate and to mourn the loss, yeah, mm-hmm. and to uh, enjoy what we had, and then give us some time to move on, and then we can have a new Wolverine. We'll show that. The X Men is more than Wolverine. That Absolutely, it can, that it can stand on its own. That it has a tremendous amount of potential that has been used questionably. Yep. and especially and, yep. in the last five to six years. <laughs> and 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 let it be. Let it become what it's you know what it can. You know what it, what it should be. I have a multi million, if not billion dollar idea for Fox that they could use the X-Men stable for. You're going to give it away for free? I'm going to give it away for free. You know why? Because I care, John. I'm making like the Taylor Swift heart, heart signs with my hands right now. He really is. We just saw it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of disturbing. Maybe we should create an Instagram account just so we can, we can do that. Yeah, nah. Yeah, no, we're I'm not. I'm with John. Do it. Yeah, we're not going to do that. But look, this is a free idea for for the powers that be at Fox Studios. Okay, how benevol- how benevolent of you? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, well. Okay, now, now. Okay, worship at the feet of my benevolence. Okay, because here it is. Okay, are you ready? I'm going to drop it in three, two, one. What was one of the biggest surprises in the Marvel universe in the last few years? I'll tell you what. Guardians of the motherfucking galaxy. I you, know where you're going. Okay, you know what you're. You know where I I'm have going. No clue where you. I'm saying unless you're saying Star Jammers. I, 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 I mean, am staying Star Jammers. X Men in space. Fuck the X Men. If you look, if it's continuity schmontinuity, still over at Fox Studios, right? You know what you do? Make space movies. You've got the whole fucking Shear Empire. You have Deken. You have the M Grand Crystal. You have. Christopher Summers, you've got fucking, you've got, you've got, who's the skunk girl? You've got the lizard guy. You've got the guy with Hep, the eye thing. Hepsiba. Hepsiba and, and, and fucking, uh, uh, God 
damn it, I've lost all their names now. If you could see the vein on the side of Jim's face throbbing right now, it is an awesome sight. What about Chaode? (laughs) (laughs) And his his little furry friend? Uh, Suri. Do you you know that's that's the thing's name is C-apostrophe-R-E-E. That's how deep into the Claremont sweat I am in. And let me I tell you, let, you, let me tell you something. If you want, if you want to like have like collectible figures and shit like that, then yeah, the little furry guy is like it, it could be the next baby group. What about Sikorsky? They're fucking dragonfly surgeon that works with the auto dock on the Star Jammer. I mean, boom! I mean, there's like Larry. You know Niven. what? You could introduce those characters in the Dark Phoenix movie, and then spin off. Yeah. Yeah, or you can just do a Star Jammers movie about, you know, space pirates working for good against an evil empire. I mean, you, it's a space opera that they can own themselves that would bridge that gap between superheroes and Star Wars. I'm sorry. If if Fox is not working on getting that film made right now, given the popularity of Guardians of the Galaxy and given the resurgence of popularity in Possibly my favorite franchise on the motherfucking planet, and that would be George Lucas's baby Star Wars. I don't know what the fuck Fox is thinking right now. I mean, so you think they're sitting on money? I think they're si- I think they're sitting on a machine that makes money because there's so many characters that came in and out of those multi- multitudinous storylines. Yeah, I mean, you could have you could have the 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 whole Crayon Crystal Dark Phoenix thing. Sure, you could totally spin it out of that. But what about the Shi'ar Empire? How about Lalandra? You know, finding well, that, finding finding herself on the, with the crew of 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 the Starjammer, and you know, it's like six against an empire. I mean, what kind of awesome odds are that? I would I would watch. Yeah, that I want to see Gladiator on screen. I'm not oh gonna God. lie. Yeah, Fuck, Gladiator. That would be the shit. The Imperial Guard for the fucking win. God, I'm gonna boo. <laughs> Okay, well, while Jim reassembles his head. <laughs> that's really gross. No, but seriously, I love the Star Jammers, you know, especially the four issue miniseries that Warren Ellis wrote with Carlos Pacheco artwork is the best rendition of the Star Jammers since Dave Cockrum, God rest his soul, was with us. And um, there's just so much that can be done with that stuff. I-, I would just love to see that. That's where I would love to see the Fox X first go. Yeah. No, I, 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 I can see what you mean because you've got uh, you've got the the drama of um, Lalandra versus Deathbird. Um, she's oh, lost yeah, her Deathbird. She's she's lost her empire. She's trying to get it back. Who is she going to go to to uh, to help with that? Well, in the comics, she went to the X Men. But you've got this whole group of space pirates. It's already there, pre made. Yep. So if you don't want to tie it into you know back to the X uh, to Earth, fine. You know, just have her have her go to uh, to them. I'm just saying, if they don't want to spin it out and do like what what they call in TV a backdoor pilot, you can totally make a Star Jammers movie like that. Yeah, I mean it'd it'd be an easy sell. If they did that, I'd want to see Vulcan on on screen. Oh, uh, the third yeah. Summers brother. Yeah, you know all that stuff Brew Baker wrote. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see some of that. I think that would be pretty cool. 
and an yeah. interesting way to tie it into the rest of the X Men universe. We with also the, want the whole Summers connection. If you t- if you you could really play a gypsy switch, um, if that's even a thing that is I'm allowed to say anymore. Um, and you I think know, we have to call it a Roma switch. Fair enough, a Roma switch where you've got. <laughs> I think we're still uh, in trouble. Yeah, I, I know I am. I'm just gonna. I don't push. even know what the fuck you guys are talking about. <laughs> I'm just gonna push on. So you um, maybe we'll cut that out too. So <laughs> you 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 start with Deathbird as the as the big bad, and you know. What happens if she gets overthrown like midway through the second movie? And then all of a sudden you find out there's somebody worse out there. Yeah, it's Deken. Yeah. Remember just what kind of sleazebag Deken was? Well, yeah, I mean, she would be the Stalin to his Hitler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, okay, so for those who have not read, I mean, gone that far back into X-Men comics, okay, the secret origin of Cyclops' parents. So Cyclops, Cyclops and Havoc Not a get, happy story, get folks. thrown out of a plane, right, with one parachute between the two kids, and the plane explodes, right? Well, no, the explosion is actually a teleportation signature of Shi'ar slavers who just decided to capture two humans that were flying in, in Earth's atmosphere in a little Beechcraft or a Cessna aircraft, fixed-wing aircraft. So what do they do? They sell these two humans into slavery, and Christopher Summers is sentenced to, like, the gladiator pits with, like, Chaode and Suri and uh, Raza. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the cyborg. The cyborg Shi'ar. And then he has to watch Deken, who is, like, fucking Caligula of Uh, of the Shi'ar empire, make his wife his concubine. And pregnant. And pregnant. That is just gross as shit. It's like, not only am I going to take your woman, but I'm going to use her and then kill her. And Yeah, they do that whole hyper hyper incubation thing. Right, and it was just, it was, I mean, we're talking about comics in the 70s, and it was like that sort of planetary romance, John Carter, Warlord of Mars level craziness mm-hmm. that I just, I really feel like a Starjammers movie could just blow any, I mean... I'm not saying it could be better than Star Wars, okay? I'm not saying it could be better than Star Trek. I'm not saying it could be better than Guardians of the Galaxy, but it could be in the pantheon. That's all I'm saying. I can understand that. And I fi- would definitely love to see that. Yeah. Fo- and and you know, I'm I know it stings Fox that, you know, Star Wars is moving forward without them. So, yeah. Yeah, they got- only have rights to the first film. Yeah, so Not they- even the first 3? No, just just the film that would become a new hope. Okay. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, you know Lucas made more than enough money to distribute that boy on himself on on his own dime. I mean it. It was honestly Star Wars is are the most expensive independent films ever made up until the Disney purchase. Wow, let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> but anyway, so there we go. I mean. Did you guys, you know, have any spe- any further speculation that you wanted to throw in, throw in? Uh, I want to see Patrick Stewart and and Hugh Jackman come back and do cameos in Deadpool too. That's <laughs> just that's. I wasn't even a huge fan of Deadpool, but to see those two in the mix uh, would be, I, I think that'd be pretty humorous. Even so. if it was right up, I'll tell you this: you haven't seen X Men First Class. 
But Wolverine had a cameo in X-Men First Class that was absolute gold. It was hilarious. I mean, and yeah, and I, was, that's all I'm going to say. It was it, hilarious. If it was on that order, because we're not going to spoil our own table here. Yeah. But if it could be on the level of X-Men First Class's Wolverine cameo, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm talking, you know, 30 seconds, a minute of screen time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what I want to see is... As mentioned before, a stable timeline. And I would... Good luck with that. All I'm saying, (laughs) you ask what I want to see, this is what I want to see. And Fox, if you're listening, this is a guy who goes to see all your movies, and this is what I want to see. I would love for them to build from the the apocalypse point. Uh, It looks like um, Chosen is um, playing to a very standard X-Men world where people hate and fear mutants, which I think, which I think is a great idea because if they want to build from uh, apocalypse, you know, all the nuclear weapons were destroyed by mutants. The world was almost destroyed by mutants. There's no reason why anybody should like mutants at the end of that movie. Good point. And by the way, Magneto should probably find himself in a deserted island someplace so he isn't tried for, uh, you know, for crimes against humanity. Genosha. Uh, So, yeah. I love Genosha. Hey, you know, that'd be pretty cool. That would be dope as fuck. I'm sorry. And if if they went back to the history of Genosha... Of it being a, an apartheid state where mutants are used as as uh, slave labor, that would be awesome. That I, would be fantastic. I mean, they just well, have a they have a tremendous amount of stuff that they can build on from where they're at right now in the movies. And I think a TV show that um, that plays on that idea of like you know underground mutants trying to wait. Stay so one chosen's step. the name of that new X Men series. Yeah, the new X Men series. Because I knew they were going to do it. I just didn't know it had a name. And yeah, I think it's coming out of Bad Hat Harry, his production company. Um, so he's ostensibly producing it. I don't know if he's show running it, but I think he's. I know he's, he's directing, directing the first episode. He's yeah. directing the first yeah. episode like a good dude should do. Yes. Like he directed the first episode of House. That, that, um, that's why. That's why I say that, you know this 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 could make up for the sin of leaving uh, X three if 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 it's done right. And you know I was not a fan of Age of Apocalypse. Again, I'm too old. To have liked Age of Apocalypse, oh, the, the, the storyline, the X-Men storyline okay, crossover. Okay. But one of the characters I really liked with that from that was Blank, and they have cast Blank for Chosen. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. So, you know, we get, we get Blank back that way. So I think they have a real opportunity with Chosen to, to lead into a new film series. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, I mean, basically find a way to set up a film series, kind of like what they're doing back and forth with the Dark Tower series. Like, they, they're going to do a Dark Tower movie and then, like, an eight-episode HBO series and another Dark Tower movie and an eight-episode HBO series. That's an interesting you, you, take. You just made me break out in uh, uh, in the sweats yeah. talking about Dark Tower. I could roll on that for an entire other podcast. Hey, that's coming out this year, too. We could do a whole podcast on the Dark Tower review if you want to do I'm gonna that. I'm going to have to sit that one out because I don't know anything about Dark Tower. I, You know what? I know very little about the Dark Tower, but what from what I've read... Again, it's dope AF. I mean, it's it's really. Do you like Stephen King? 
I don't dislike him, but I'm not a huge fan. And you know what? I'm with you, Adam. I, I have real problems with Stephen King because he is somebody who doesn't know the term economy of prose. <laughs> he doesn't have to anymore. He doesn't he, need he, editors he anymore. He just sit there and He's fucking toss word salad on every page as much as he wants. But 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 seriously, like the little bit that I've read of the Dark Tower series makes me want to read more and lament the fact that I do not have time to read those books. <laughs> Star Wars new canon novels, no problem. I can put those <laughs> away in two days. Stephen King novel, fuck you. I'm not going to touch that. You're I, like, uh, give me about five months. But also you know it's it, Idris. It's yes. Idris as the gunman and Matthew McConaughey's Man in Black. All right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's yeah. going to be dope, man. You know what? Uh, tr- try the first book. Try the gunslinger. Yep. And That's the one that I've read. Yeah, it, and and if you if you, if you like that, then then check out the rest. And just remember that the movie series is going to be very different for a for a very legitimate universe specific, specific reason. reason. Yes. Yeah, the story is going to be different from the books, and with the blessing of the creator, with the blessing of the creator, and for a very real reason, and for a very exciting reason yes. for people who are. Um, as uh, as King says, faithful readers. Yes. So, you know, guys, you know what I'd like to do? Um, the What's coming out? Do we have anything big coming out in April? What do we have? I think as far as comic book movies go, I think we've got this little film called Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2. That's coming in April? No, that's coming out the first weekend They did May. a sequel to that? No, they're doing a sequel to Oh, that. wow. That's kind of cool. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. Would you, would you guys like to get back together and review that film? Sure. I'd be down with that. All right. So you heard it here first. The next time you're going to hear a movie review, unless we decide otherwise in the meantime, because we're crazy. Um, we'll do like a two-month late Lego Batman review. Yeah. Maybe when it comes <laughs> on be, VOD. I'd be all over that. Yeah. I, I need to see it. I, I mean... That is the great shame in my life right now that I have not seen that. I film. just finished playing the the first game. I'm that's right, two thousand eight. I'm coming after you. <laughs> yeah, I just finished the first game, and so I I was kind of well, like, did you finish it once or have you finished? It? Oh, I hundred percented that shit. Damn, the, um, son, what the, are what <laughs> is, what is your major malfunction, Adam? The only the only thing the only achievement I don't have I, I've. Hundred percented it. The only and I've gotten all the achievements except for a co-op achievement because I sit by myself in my room and play video games. Oh well, wow! Hats off. Well, congratulations on that one. That is well earned. You know what? Slow clap for you, sir. That's from Gen X to Gen Y for you, right there. <laughs> so look, um, I, I really like uh, what we did here today. We pretty much went off on every tangent we could find as per normal. Our our initial plan was to sit here and, and do this in less than an hour, and I think we're like eh, almost two hours. Yeah, we're almost two hours, but we're not quite, so we're actually going to get out of here now. Um, but first, uh, Adam, how about a round of applause for Mr. Jonathan Wright? Thank you very much. Now, John, uh, just uh, I want to... Um, you know, uh, celebrate your work somewhat if you let me. Sure. Um, John has been a friend of mine for decades at this point, and John has got some really cool work that he's working on right now. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Uh, well, I've got a uh, series of books, a uh, series of games that I put out for um, the Fate Core role playing game. Uh, it's a series called Mecha versus Kaiju, and it's built on my just childhood love of giant monsters and giant robots 
and I'm very excited about it. It's something that I've been writing since 2008 on another game system. Yep. And right now, uh, Fate Core is um, it's a very simple uh, engine to work Easy with. Easy to learn. And, and very and very story driven. So if you like this, uh, if you like the genre, you like to tell a good story. Um, it, uh, the game system is called Mecha versus Kaiju. You can find out more at Mecha versus Kaiju.com. Um, that's and a, it's available on drivethroughrpg.com or and, RPG Now. It's or available RPG on now. both. And so you can get Ooh. it. And uh, also, uh, make sure if you like physical uh, games, go to your friendly local gaming shop and you can order it there uh, in book form. Because if you want a physical copy, please. Go to your uh, local gaming shop because they will they will hook you up. John, I've played the game before. Um, I remember as teenagers in in our early twenties, uh, going to your parents' house where you were living, and Adam, you should have seen his bedroom at the time. He had these two book two two shelves, and I think they were well, just it's more like two walls of shelves. Two walls of shelves, and dude had, I mean, he had. Every fucking giant robot toy you could put, except for <laughs> except for Shogun Warriors, which you could not fit on those shelves. But dude, I've been to his house in Santa Rosa. You live in Santa Rosa, mm-hmm. and his Micronauts collection. Have you ever heard of Micronauts? Oh yes, Michael uh, Golden uh, and uh, Good Man. Yes, and then uh, Bill Mantlo, right? Bill mm-hmm. Mantlo wrote yeah. it. Michael Golden. Oh my God, those first few issues. I mean, they were just. And you know what? That was another thing that Star Wars did, yeah. was create a love for space opera. Anyway, but, John, you've got just the best collection of giant robot shit that I've seen in, in quite some time as well. Do you still have that stuff? Oh, yeah. I've got all, all of the Micronauts that I had when I was a kid got put in a box, and they were um, kept in at my mom's house, and she never moved. She you know, she lived in that, uh, in that house from the 60s until she died, and all of my toys were were kept there, you know, with you know, with her blessing. That's astounding. Yeah, and all, all just waiting for a permanent home, which I you know, which I now finally have. You know, thanks to the fact that, like, you know, I found an amazing woman that yep. you know is good with money, and that's the secret to a happy life: find a good woman that's good with money. And Name her the chief financial officer of your operation. Absolutely, I, I think that's yeah. the safest bet, and I've done that. Um, my wife lets me buy lightsabers occasionally, and uh, you know sometimes she says, "No, Jim, let's wait for next month." So that's uh, I'm a lucky man in that department as happy well. Happy wife, happy life. That's right, and uh, hence why I'm divorced. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still time for you, Am. You're a young man, so Absolutely. just remember don't, that. Don't don't threaten me like that, I, dude. I'm just saying, you know. Just saying. Uh, I'm not going to go there any further because that's got really uncomfortable. All of a sudden. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Awkward. Um, so no, anyway, I love you guys. It's so okay. anyway, John, um, kids on the interwebs, where they, where can they find you? They, they sit, You said mechaversuskaiju.com. Uh, or um, uh, uh, at, at mechavkaiju on Twitter. Is that like Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice? It is, yes, uh, because um, uh, a good friend of mine uh, named Stratos, who is a DJ that does his own original music, and uh, did uh, the um, the soundtrack, a Mecha versus Kaiju soundtrack, years and years ago. Yep, I remember he's that. at he's at Mecha versus Kaiju. Okay. Um, so I am at Mecha v Kaiju. Okay. And, and for for those uh, you know uh, un, uh, unversed, it's M E C H A. 
uh, for Mecca and K A I J U. V is in Victor. V is in Victor and Kaiju K A I J U. Yes. So John, again, you're doing you're doing the Lord's work by being out there in the RPG industry and and just pumping out product and working your day job and having a great life. So I'm just pleased as punch you can join us for this. So this I, has I, been a lot of fun. Thank, thanks thanks for having me. Absolutely, thank, and we thanks, can't, thanks for having me, Adam. Ah, thank you for coming. It's been a wonderful discussion. Sir. Yep, and Adam, you know we like to sign off you know with our own little internet presences. So where can the kids find you on the internet? Uh, as always, I'm on Facebook slash Adam S. Messinger. Uh, I am also on Twitter, Adam S. Messinger. Uh, Instagram, uh, Google Plus, Friendster. No, I'm not on Friendster. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tinder? Uh, I was on that, but I got <laughs> off because it got really weird. <laughs> Awkward. Uh so no, John. I'm going to put that on the soundboard just so. You'd... <laughs> so yeah, uh, no. I'm I'm on all of social media uh, as Adam S. Me- Adam S. Messinger. You can find me, Jim Mason, at Jim Mason on Facebook. Where if I'm not posting about politics, I'm definitely posting nerdy stuff. Uh, Facebook also hosts the Graphic Content Podcast fan page, where we post news and notes about graphic content as well as links to our episodes. We're on Twitter at Graphic Podcast. You have questions about this or any previous episodes or questions about comics or suggestions or are you a creator that would like that has some product, whether it's a fan film or uh, an actual comic that you're putting out or music that's inspired by comics? We'd love to talk to you and have you on the show somehow. We, we can either Skype you in or bring you into the graphic content studios. Um Anyway, reach out to us at Graphic Content Podcast. You can find me at Jimmers. That's Jimmers with three M's on Twitter. Um, I I am five M's on Instagram. Right? On Instagram, which is almost a dead account at this point. I mean, there's just a few pictures of my cats and covers of role playing games that I I play. Did you just keep adding M's until you got one that worked? Yeah, I, pretty I, much I, from I, what I, I understand. I tried three M's so it could be just like my Twitter handle. Then I tried four, and it fucked me over again. So I had to put five <laughs> M's. Jimmers. Yeah, that's a weird place to leave it. So, look, I just want to thank everybody who has the time uh, to listen to our podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher and our podcast hoster, podbean.com. And, hell, I know we're talking about movies, but until next time, America... Go watch a movie about comics, comic characters, or read comics. Yeah, go read a comic. Go read a comic. That's what we're supposed to do. Say it one more time. Go read a comic, motherfucker. Okay, now do it without the motherfucker. All right. I hear that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's how we're going to end it. Good night, kids.